In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. I thought I'd begin this conference with a somewhat embarrassing confession. For the longest time as a Catholic, I thought of the Holy Spirit mainly as a bird. Right? Uh, I'd see these pictures of the Trinity, and we see God the Father looking like an older, loving Father, and you see a picture of Jesus, and then you see the dove, right? You see the bird, and the Holy Spirit. And so I mainly thought of the Holy Spirit as a bird, you know, a pretty bird, you know, a, a lovely bird, a, a, a holy bird, a powerful bird, but mainly as a bird. <laughs> I thought of him as less of a person than the Father and the Son, and when you think of a bird, you don't think of necessarily talking to a bird. <laughs> so I'd pray to the Father, I'd pray to the Son, but I'd almost never pray to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that prayer that we began with, come Holy Spirit, I knew that one, but besides that, I'd, I never prayed to the Holy Spirit. How often do you pray to the Holy Spirit? How often do you talk to the Holy Spirit? Do you nurture a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? Uh, there's some people out there who think of the Holy Spirit as like a force, or they think of God as a force. Uh, they want to be spiritual, but they don't necessarily believe in a personal God, and it's like there's this force, this energy out there, and you know, maybe we can tap into it and manipulate it. Uh, no, we don't believe this about our God. We believe that our God is personal, that there is one God, but three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the goal of this retreat is to really get to know the Holy Spirit as a person and to invite him ever deeper into our life. In the Old Testament, I was interested to learn 
they didn't understand the Holy Spirit as a person. In the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit is understood as a gift from God, but we don't necessarily see an understanding of a person. In Genesis, he's known as the breath of God that gives life. And in the book of the prophet Isaiah, he is spoken of as a special gift given to the Messiah. The Messiah would come with the Holy Spirit. But in the New Testament, we get this revelation of the Holy Spirit as a person. Jesus reveals him as a person. When he speaks of him, of the promise of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, he uses a personal pronoun, he, him. He says, the world does not know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. He also says in John 14, verse 26, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He gives him personal qualities. He's able to teach us and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, verse 13, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he keeps speaking of him as a person, but not just any person. He also reveals him to be a divine person. He reveals the Holy Spirit to be God, not a created person, but one of the divine persons that has always existed. When he sends out the apostles after the resurrection, before he ascends into heaven, he tells them to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he puts him as equal with the Father and the Son, co-equal, co-eternal. He has always existed with the Father and the Son. In John chapter 16, verse 14, I always found this very mysterious. I didn't know exactly what he was saying. He's speaking of the spirit of truth, and he says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I get a number of these phrases in John that are kind of repetitive. And wait, what's exactly being said here? Pope John Paul II, in his encyclical Dominum et Vivificantem, from which we take a lot of this talk, uh, this was written in 1986, he explains that when Jesus is speaking in this phrase, he's talking about the unity between the three divine persons. All that the Father has is mine. That's the unity between them. In other places, he says, I and the Father are one. And then he says of the Holy Spirit, he will take from what is mine and declare to you. Pope John Paul II says this expresses the unity that the Holy Spirit has with the Father and the Son, that he is able to take what is theirs. So the Holy Spirit is a divine person. That's the first main point of tonight. Now, we might have known that in the past, but good to hammer it home. Again, he's not just a bird. <laughs> we want to relate to him as a person. Uh, second main point is that the Holy Spirit is love. Right? Love is a person. Jesus Christ, well, through John, in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 8, he reveals to us, God is love. Right? Our, our God has existed from all eternity as an eternal communion of love, an eternal relationship. He, he didn't create because he was lonely. No. Within the life of the Trinity, we have perfect, everlasting love, divine love. The life of the Trinity is the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, and the Holy Spirit exists as the love 
between them. And we see this reflected on a natural level in marriage, in family, right? Husband loving his wife, the wife loving her husband, and nine months later, they can point at their love. Oh, there's our love. It's walking around. It's giggling. It's throwing up on us. Right? It's beautiful. And this is an, a reflection of this is a reflection of the life of God. But on the natural level, well, the child has qualities from the father and from the mother. Uh, we can see a resemblance to both of them in there. Well, on the supernatural level, in the life of God, it's so much more perfect. So much so that this personal love between the father and the son, he is equal to them. Right? He, he has everything from the father and everything from the son. We say the son is the perfect reflection of the father. Right? He, who has, he who sees me sees the Father, Jesus said. They're so equal. Right? And the Holy Spirit as well is, is equal with them. One of my favorite images of the Trinity is an, it's an icon of the Holy Trinity at table. And what do they look like? It looks like three Jesuses. Right? They, all, they look like triplets, like three of the same, because this is how we want to understand the Holy Spirit. In the Creed, every Sunday, the Nicene Creed, we say the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son, he is adored and glorified. Right? We worship the Holy Spirit. We adore the Holy Spirit as God, not as some lesser creature. And he is the love between them. He, he is person and he is love. That's the second point. The third point is that the Holy Spirit is gift. The Holy Spirit as a person is also a gift. He is the gift between the Father and the Son. God's love is self-giving. It's, it's so complete, so total, that it's this exchange of total self-giving love between the Father and the Son. The life of the Trinity itself, we could say, is gift. And the Holy Spirit is that gift expressed between the Father and the Son. He is uncreated gift. Oh, we have lots of gifts in creation, but the Holy Spirit as uncreated gift between the Father and the Son, He is the source of all giving. He is the source of all gifts. He's the source of everything that comes to us in creation. Right? God creating, this is a gift to, to everything that exists. It's the gift of existence. Right? And He gives us the gift of existing as human beings, as men and women, with, with the image of God, having personal powers. Right? All these are gifts. Our mind, our will, our, our emotions our heart, uh, all these are gifts. Everything is flowing from the Holy Spirit. All of God's actions flow from love. The Holy Spirit is that love. So the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is love. He is gift. And from this flows creation. Why did God create? Have you ever asked that question? Why did God create? If if everything was so perfect in the life of the Trinity, right? infinite beauty, infinite goodness, infinite love, infinite truth, wisdom, everything good, no darkness, no ugliness, no sin, nothing bad. And yet God decides to create. Why? Because our God is so good that he wants to extend this communion of love. This is the divine plan, to extend this communion of love, to offer it to us, to creatures, created persons who are not God by nature. 
He wants to, I like to say to the kids, invite us to the party. <laughs> right? What party? You know, this great party. It's like, it's like everything's going, everything, it's so much fun, right? Because it's a celebration of that we're here together and we love each other. And, and he gives us a party, a participation in his own divine life at creation. When he creates Adam and Eve, he says, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Pope John Paul II, he says, with the creation of man, we have the first beginning of God's self-giving. Right? Why did God create? Because he wants to give himself to us. Right? This is the whole reason for creation, God's self-gift. It begins with the creation of man. It says he breathed into man, and man became a living spirit. We want to understand in this the action of the Holy Spirit. All of creation, everything God does in our life, the Holy Spirit's involved. And the thought comes to my mind, it's like you know, behind the scenes, you have the people working behind the scenes at a, a production, and we don't want to pay any attention to the person behind the curtain. Well, no, here we do. <laughs> uh, we want to recognize that the Holy Spirit has been involved in, in all of this. And then we'll recognize where he's involved in our life. So God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them the special gift of sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace, I didn't learn this until I was in seminary, and it just blew my mind. Sanctifying grace is an actual share in God's divine life. It actually transforms us. It converts us. It makes us into children of God. For the longest time as a Catholic, I thought that it was just pretend. I thought it was just make-believe when we said, Our Father, I thought we said that to feel close to Him. But with sanctifying grace, God actually gives Adam and Eve a share in his divine life. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit in their souls, they are his children, son and daughter. There's this intimate union with God through the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning. But sin enters in and messes everything up. Our enemy, Satan, the enemy of God, the enemy of love, steps in and and ruins everything. With the sin of our first parents, we have the rejection of love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? It was a test of love. And they rejected God's love. Every sin, every sin that we commit, every sin that's ever been committed is a rejection of love. It is totally opposed to the Holy Spirit. It's totally opposed to the Holy Spirit as love. It is opposed to his presence. Right? It rejects his presence it's in total contradiction to God's self-gift. God wants to give himself to us, and now we've put something in the way. And so with sin, there's the need for a new beginning. We need a new beginning to God's self-gift. It's been interrupted. We need a redeemer. God promises us the redeemer to come. And this gives us the question, why, the answer to the question, why did God become man? God became man to give us back the Holy Spirit, right? to win the Holy Spirit back for us. There's so many things we could say in answer to that question. You know, Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal what God our Father is really like, the love, the enduring love of God the Father, the merciful love of the Father. Even in the face of our sin, he still wants to give himself to us. He still wants to invite us into this personal communion, this divine life in heaven. And Jesus conquers sin. 
He conquers it through his death on the cross, his resurrection, and he sends us the Holy Spirit. Right? This was the point of, his, of all of his action, all of his work as the Redeemer, as the Messiah, was to send us the Holy Spirit again, to let the Holy Spirit enter our lives to continue God's self-gift. Nothing gets done without the Holy Spirit. Nothing gets done without the Holy Spirit. And no Holy Spirit, no salvation. No Holy Spirit, no redemption. And so we recognize in the scriptures all these different references to the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. We mentioned the prophet Isaiah when he's talking about the coming of the Messiah. He says in Isaiah 11, verse 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is what identifies Jesus as the Messiah. Does he have the Spirit? Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my Spirit upon him. Jesus, when he begins his ministry, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. It says he took the scroll and he found the passage in Isaiah that reads, this is Isaiah chapter 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to open the prison, to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He is defining his messianic mission. It begins with the coming of the Holy Spirit. The word Messiah means Christ, and the word Christ means the anointed one. Jesus is the one who is anointed by the Holy Spirit. In his becoming man, right, the Holy Spirit's action is there, uniting this humanity to his divinity. And so we have the annunciation of the angel Gabriel that he will be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is there at the beginning, at his conception, but the Holy Spirit's presence continues throughout his whole life. He doesn't just plant the seed and leave. No. Uh, after this, we, we hear of all these different actions of the Spirit at his baptism. The Spirit is seen coming down in the form of a dove. Right? Um, yes, the dove, to remind us, he's a spirit of purity, holiness, but it's not a bird, right? It's the divine person coming, coming upon him, and it's been with him his whole life, but it's manifested at the baptism. And then it, we read in Luke that the Spirit led him to the desert, right? Everything he does as the Messiah is guided, prompted by the Holy Spirit. They're a team. And he goes into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And then he, his, every, everything he's doing, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. When he sends out his disciples to prepare his, the way for him, to proclaim the kingdom is at hand, they come back, they're celebrating, even the demons are subject to us. And then it says, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, right? Even his, the emotions, Right, as, a, as, a, as human, all that comes from the Holy Spirit too. He suffers, dies, rises from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a part of everything, the whole time. At his last breath, he says, I, it, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He's not just talking about his human soul. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And we read that he gave up his spirit. 
And with this, it becomes possible to send us, the Holy Spirit, as the Messiah, as the Anointed One, as the one who has the fullness of the Holy Spirit, he also becomes a mediator for us, a mediator sending us the Holy Spirit. After the Paschal Mystery, the self-gift of God begins again. We have that new beginning that we need because of sin. God is able to send the Holy Spirit into our souls, into our lives, to give us everything we need for this personal communion with him. Everything we need to become, literally, his sons and daughters. Sanctifying grace in our soul at baptism. Uh, the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. More on that tomorrow. Uh, all the different graces God sends us, his help in every moment to live as his sons and daughters. All of this is coming from the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit so important? Here's a key point I don't want you to forget. Everything that Jesus Christ makes possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. Let me hear you say that. Everything that Jesus Christ makes possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. One more time. Everything that Jesus Christ makes possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. Yes, and with that, we want to understand uh, Christ's death, resurrection, ascension, his whole Paschal mystery, everything he did would be meaningless to us, would be no profit to us at all if God did not send us the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that works all of this in our life. And he is the love of the Father. He is the love with which God loves. So God's saving and redeeming work coming from his love must come to us through the Holy Spirit. Everything we receive in the sacraments, forgiveness of sins, graces for matrimony, uh, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit is there. This is why at, there's that moment during the Mass when the priest holds up the host and the, the chalice and he says the doxology, through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. And for the longest time, when I'd heard in him, I would hear in him, I'd think, I didn't know what that meant. And, and it goes on to say, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. What's being expressed is that we receive everything for our salvation by being members of the body of Christ, by sharing in that same spirit. Like the members of our body all share in our soul. It's present in every member of our body. Uh, we are members of the body of Christ, it's not just a metaphor, this is an invisible reality, we are in him because we have the same spirit. Everything is in the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why we recognize the Holy Spirit as the Lord and giver of life. Right? In the creed we say he is Lord and giver of life. Without the Holy Spirit we do not have the life of God. There is no divine life for our souls. The Holy Spirit is so vital, so crucial to our life as Christians that Jesus refers to him using the simile of water. We see all these references with water in the Gospel of John especially. John chapter 7, he says, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. 
Right? The Holy Spirit is depicted as this ever-flowing source of life, life-giving water. John chapter 4, our Lord is speaking with the Samaritan woman, and he speaks of a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He says, if you knew the gift of God, I love that. It sounds so intriguing. If you knew the gift of God, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. It's like, if you knew what I was offering you, then you would ask for it. <laughs> if you knew the gift of God and who, who is speaking to you, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's trying to remind us this is the whole purpose of creation. God wants to give us himself. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. We say... The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. What does the word paraclete mean? Here's, a, here's an acronym, CIA. The Holy Spirit is CIA, counselor, intercessor, and advocate. That's what the word paraclete means. It takes on all those meanings. Counselor, intercessor, advocate. And he has this mission, right, of continuing the work of Christ. He was there throughout the whole mission of Christ during his life on earth, uh, but after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit at work in the church is like Jesus Christ continued. In John 14, verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Another counselor, because Jesus Christ is the first counselor. But the Holy Spirit is part two of this mission. Another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is supreme witness. He is there with the apostles during the early church. He is giving support to everything they say through the miracles that they work. He is there converting hearts, opening them to Jesus. And throughout all these centuries, as we have the successors of the apostles continuing to pass on the message, the Holy Spirit is the main witness. We are all called to be witnesses. We will be effective to the extent that the Holy Spirit is behind it all. In John 15, verse 26, our Lord says, When the Counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me, and you also are witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. So all these different points we've been hitting on. The Holy Spirit is a person, divine person. He is love. He is person love. He is, a, he is gift, a person who is a gift. And nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus Christ makes possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. He is paraclete. He is witness. He is the spirit of truth. He guarantees us the truth, the full truth, nothing but the truth. Right, which church is the right church? The church that has the Holy Spirit guiding it to all truth. Jesus promised that we would have this. He says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, verse 12 through 13, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So when the church makes laws about new technologies that come out, says something's a sin or not, uh, then it's the Holy Spirit guiding the church into all truth. And if we stay with this church, 
then we have the guarantee of the same revelation that was entrusted to the apostles. This is why we say in the creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church and believe that we have the same teaching as the apostles. And everything that we're going to receive from God, we can't receive it. Uh, we can't receive so much of it outside the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of non-Catholic Christians. We'll talk more on that in future talks. But God gives us so much through the sacraments of the Church and guides us, guards us through the Church. So if we want the Holy Spirit as deep in our lives as, as He can be, then we, we take advantage of all these means of grace in God's Church. The challenge for this talk, if you're not already doing it, is to spend at least 15 minutes a day in personal prayer. Uh, personal prayer meaning speaking to God from the heart. Uh, there's all the vocal memorized prayers, there's the, the rosary, uh, hopefully you're doing those as well, but just taking time to speak to God from the heart this personal relationship with him. And we want to spend time speaking to all three persons. The Father, as the source of all gifts. The, the Son, right, who shared our human nature, who can relate to us in, on, in so many ways. And the Holy Spirit, the first gift of God to us. The Sanctifier, who's meant to guide us. Speak to him. Right? Have that personal relationship with him. At this moment, let us turn to our Lord in prayer and thank him for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you as total self-giving love, life-giving love, as eternal personal communion. We thank you for creating us to share in that communion of love. We thank you for the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for sending the Spirit into our lives to apply the gifts of salvation and to sanctify our souls. May we continually welcome the action of this Spirit to bring us into ever deeper communion with you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray the prayer our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.